Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the Last Line Soccer Podcast, presented to you by Prime Focus Goalkeeping and the Beautiful Game Network. We want to take some time real quick to thank our sponsors for everything they do for us. Prime Focus Goalkeeping is a brand dedicated to bringing goalkeepers of all ages, top quality gloves and apparel, as well as educational goalkeeping content via our social media pages at Prime Focus GK and YouTube channel, the Prime Focus Goalkeeping channel, as well as plenty of interviews on our blog, which you can check out on our website at www.primefocusgoalkeeping.com. We also need to thank the Beautiful Game Network for giving us a platform to reach more soccer fans and talk with more great soccer minds. Check out the website, www.bgn.fm, for more great podcasts and written content. So without further ado, let's get this episode going. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Last Line Soccer Podcast. We're finally back and we've got a great addition to the podcast lineup today. I'm very excited to bring to you an upcoming star on the U.S. soccer scene, former UConn goalkeeper and current Memphis 901 FC goalkeeper, Scott Levine. Welcome to the podcast, my man. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be on the podcast. Hey, I really appreciate you coming on. I know you got a unique story that I'm really excited for the listeners to hear. Um, I know we met back in, uh, what was it, 2016 down in Houston? Uh, yeah, I think so. Maybe uh, 2017, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a long career, man. Um, but, yeah, I met you down there. Uh, we talked a little bit down there. Uh, and now I just want to—I want to get to know you a little bit better, and I want my listeners to get to know you a little bit better. So, uh, without further ado, why don't we go ahead and uh, get straight into it? So, Scott Levine, how did you get into goalkeeping? How did you get into soccer in general? I feel like that's a tough question for everyone to answer, but I mean, you only go off with what your parents tell you. I mean, when I was five years old, I was playing rec soccer, or as my parents like to call it back then, pack ball, but. <laughs> because everyone kind of just gravitates to the ball. And then I was that one kid that, you know, just gravitated away from the pack and ran for the goal. That's a little bit how I got into goalkeeping. I didn't really necessarily choose to do it one day. It just kind of happened naturally. Um, Both my older brother and older sister both played soccer for many years, and my parents figured they would just put me in it, like I said, when I was five. It just sucked me. Right. I feel like I'm kind of the same way. I wasn't really, like, drawn to the position so much. It's more so, like, you know, I don't really like running, so I'll test this out. And That um, is a big factor in why I still play goalkeeper. Right. And I, I look at it today, I and I'm like, like best decision I've ever made. I can't, I can't handle 90 minutes of oh, running. For sure. Um, but so you use soccer growing up, and you grew up in Connecticut, right? So what was the youth soccer scene like up there? Um, big clubs, a lot of small clubs. What's it like? Um, well, in terms of rec soccer, there's, I kind of grew up in a big city in Stanford, Connecticut. So there's lots of rec soccer opportunities. And then when it came time to move up, um, every town and every city around us had a travel team. So I went to travel soccer after that. And there were formal leagues of um, for that, which were really good, so I was playing every week. And then after that, when I decided that you know I was pretty good at soccer and I wanted to continue, I went on to um, 
what they call it back then, premier soccer, I think. Um, and there were lots of clubs around the area. Connecticut's a pretty big soccer state, so I had the pick of probably about five or six clubs all within a 30-mile radius, and I played premier soccer for a while, and then kind of, I kept moving up the ranks in that. I bounced around between teams in Connecticut, and because I was right on the New York border, I uh, then went to FC Westchester, which which was in Westchester, New York, which was only about 25 minutes away from Stanford, Connecticut, where I live. And uh, then the academy scene started heating up. I think I was a part of the first academy year. So when I was growing up, there were plenty of options for me, which I'm very fortunate for, and that definitely helped me along the way. That's interesting. I would never would have known, like, Connecticut's a, a bit of a hotbed for soccer, but I guess it's always those those smaller states or those smallest areas that are really concentrated with a lot of talented players. So, I mean, obviously that's good for the players up there that they can get lots of opportunities with plenty of clubs. And now you got the DA Academy um, given the opportunities as well. So, you know, after youth soccer, when did UConn come to, into like perspective? When did you realize, hey, that's somewhere I want to go and that's um, – you know, yeah. the main college well, to be at. Well, to piggyback off what I just said, too, living right on the New York border, combined with the fact that UConn was also a powerhouse in college soccer, I think that's what made Connecticut into you know, the thriving soccer state that it is, um, those two things combined. But UConn, for me, was always, it was almost like a dream school, to be honest. I know... That's kind of cliche, living in Connecticut, but it really was. I mean, I was following UConn sports because they're the eighth school uh, since I was probably about 10 years old. Uh, and honestly, I wanted to go to UConn ever since 10 years old. So I would always follow UConn sports, UConn soccer specifically. Uh, and then when I got older, I can't remember what age, but from a young age, I went to the UConn camp to try to get noticed by the UConn coaches. Uh, and then once freshman, sophomore year of high school came around, you know, I started talking to UConn, really participating in all their events um, and seriously considering them for college. When it came time to choosing them, I had a, a bunch of options, but as I narrowed it down, UConn was always in the conversation. And in the end, that's the school I went with, um, mostly because it was just something that I dreamed of doing ever since I was a young kid. So it was really cool to see something like that come to fruition and, you know, me be able to play there. Yeah, that's awesome. And I've always wondered, you know, going to a school like that where you have great players who have played there in the past and especially in our position, great players like Andre Blake or Josh Ford or, you know, I'm obviously missing a couple, but do you feel the pressure of going to a school like that when you've got players like that who have reached, you know, professional level, international level, um, feeling that pressure to kind of perform in their shoes? I, I think what UConn soccer does so well is they let the players that are there currently know who came in before them. And that's what makes UConn soccer so special. History there is filled with, you know, MLS draft picks, international stars, and uh, collegiate champions. 
And it's really cool to be at a place that so many successful players have been to. But at the same time, the coaches bring it up to you when they're recruiting you. And then once you're there, they let you be your own player. Now, because UConn soccer is such a, a big program, the media around it obviously name drop a lot and ask you lots of questions of players that have been there or that are there currently. So it's a bit uh, both. You know, you're, you can't really get away from it, but you don't really want to because you want to be known and associated with great players, but at the same time, they let you be your own person. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, that's one of the reasons you want to go to a school like that, one of the perennial powerhouses, because they do produce professionals on a consistent basis, and they do have that level, that professional level, um, that can get you prepared for the next step, which leads into my next question. How do you think UConn prepared you for the next step, which was the professional level? Well, Obviously, going into UConn, I had the goal of playing professionally, and I let the coaches there know that. And when something uh, Coach Reed said to me when he was recruiting me, he looked me straight in the eye and said, Scott, if you come to this school and you prove to me that you can play here, I guarantee that you're going to be a professional soccer player. Now, obviously, there's a lot of work that goes into that, but that shows you how confident the program they are and how confident coaches they are to develop players. UConn soccer runs their program exactly like a professional team. They treat their players with the utmost respect. They give the players whatever they need in terms of medical attention, uh, attention in the weight room, on the field, in the classroom. You know, whatever you need, really, they provide for you. And you can even say that they put um, more money and more attention to the details than professional clubs, which probably true um now a lot of that has to do with coach reed and being coach reed and being there for 20 i think he's on his 22nd year now or 23rd year he knows what to do but i attribute my easy transition in professional soccer to them they in a lot of ways playing coach reed is harder than it was you know transitioning into professional soccer Interesting. So let, let's talk about that transition a bit. Um, but let's start with the, the Houston goalkeeper camp that we met at. How, how did you get down uh-huh. there? Yeah. Uh, honestly, just randomly. I got an email one day from, I can't even remember his name, but someone that was associated with managing and running that goalkeeper uh, camp, I guess you call it. But yeah, they emailed me one day said, would you be interested? We think you're one of the top goalkeepers in the country. Uh, we'd like to take a look at you and come down and get some good training before the combines that I went to. And yeah, I decided that it was a good opportunity. So I went down and did that. I didn't even know that I would be as high level as it was and that I would meet the people there that I did. It's funny because a lot of the guys, especially you, you know, I keep you know, playing against now. Um, yeah, that was just kind of, I guess, random, to be honest, to get invited to that. Yeah, I thought it was an awesome experience, you know, even me being, I think I was, what, four or five years into my professional career at that point, but I had never really been to something like that, and, you know, for me, it was random, too. I just got an email one day that said, hey, they're having this down in Houston, um, you should go, you know, get involved and see what it's like, but to go down there and see 
like you said, the level of it, um, especially with so many young guys there, um, I thought it was incredible. I thought it was yeah. such a great experience for you guys to see um, what a professional facility was like and what how they run their sessions and um, you know what your future holds. Um, so for that, I was grateful to be down there just to see that experience. And I know that they've kept that going for, for years after that. So I think that's awesome. But um, so you spoke about the level there. Um, so when you were there, what was your mindset like? Were you, you know, focused on you mainly? Were you kind of comparing yourself to other goalkeepers? Obviously, that's something that you naturally do. But um, what was your focus going into it? I think my focus was obviously go and show the coaches what I can do. But I didn't really approach it with the mindset of, okay, I have to be really good every single day I'm there because maybe they'll find me right after this. I knew that wasn't realistic. I knew they weren't really going to look at that camp as anything more than it was and start signing goalkeepers left and right from it. I knew that wasn't what it was. So I went in there with the hopes of just, you know, getting really a week of quality training in before some combines and some important weeks coming up leading into my professional career. Um, I went into it with the hopes of, meeting the coaches, seeing how they react to players, seeing how they treat players, uh, getting to train the awesome facility like Houston Dynamo have. And I thought something that's worth noting, what I really liked from the campus, after the camp was done, Paul, it's Paul Rogers, right? Yeah. Sure? Paul, yeah. Paul sat down with each and every one of us that was there. I think there was like 20 goalkeepers there, 15 goalkeepers there. And he sat down with all of us individually and, you know, we just had one-on-one talks with each other about what he thought of us, what we thought of them, uh, how he thought we could fit into professional mold and how we could get better and all that, which I thought was really special, something that I really liked in the camp, something that I needed. Uh, and you know, overall, the camp, the camp was amazing. I think they're still doing it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought that was one of the best parts of, you know, the three, four days that we were down there was the fact that he did take the time to sit down with everybody and kind of analyze their game, his thoughts on, on what he thought they could improve on, where he saw them, um, you know, what level of play, uh, you know, because that's, that's just a, a level of detail that you don't always get everywhere. And coming from someone who's yeah. at such a high level, he's been a high-level goalkeeper coach in MLS and overseas, and um, you kind of take his word for exactly what it is because he has the experience, um, and that's the level you want to reach. So I thought that was huge, uh, especially for someone like me who was I was out of contract. I was looking for you know, what my next step was going to be. And for you guys going into the pros, like trying to have realistic expectations, I think he he was very good at uh, kind of giving you that, giving you those expectations. So let's let's move on to New York Red Bulls. How'd that come along? Honestly, uh, the, the story's kind of funny. So going in, that was around uh, MLS draft. And uh, kind of during the MLS draft, I was approached by Real Salt Lake, their USL team, the Monarchs. And they offered me a contract. So I had that punched on the table. But I wanted to wait to see what else would come out, come up throughout the draft. And I know that was the best option. And then literally, I had said yes to accepting uh, the Real Monarch. Not 
five minutes later, I sorry, I had said yes to my agent to tell him to go accept that. I texted my agent and said, yes, that's the motto. Five minutes later, I got an email from New York Red Bull to come on trial with them. New York Red Bull's USL team, come on trial with them. And funny enough, I texted my agent back and I said, never mind, say no to the Monarch. I'm going to go on trial with New York Red Bull. Uh, I figured I'd be happier at New York Red Bull because it was much closer to home. And that was kind of where I wanted to start, especially with the track record of New York Rebels 2, moving players on to the higher rank. So I went on trial to the New York Rebels, and I was there for about six weeks before they finally told me that they were going to sign me, which was a great feeling. Um, stressful six weeks, but also very fun and you know, great to be involved in. But yeah, it was kind of it's not your typical signing story it was very uh it was a gutsy call but it worked out in that yeah that's interesting so you you had a, a contract offer from from the monarchs uh-huh. if you sign there you're under contract you're playing there for the year at least um and then you have a trial offer from the red bulls and obviously it's closer to home it's a great organization one of the best in the, in the country um and you decided to turn b- down the, the sure thing for for the gamble yeah, I was. Uh, it was at the time though when when that came up, it wasn't even. It didn't cross my mind, you know. What if I I fail and I end up not becoming a professional soccer player? All because I turned it down for a chance to play closer to home and somewhere I really wanted to play and looked up to since I was young. It was more of I was so confident in myself that I knew whoever they brought in to compete against me. I was going to beat them out, and then I would end up being getting signed. So, goes back to you know goalkeeper confidence and all that. Yeah, it's it, it's a story I'm kind of proud of because it 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 shows people that you you don't have to be scared. I guess you know if you back yourself, you can do anything, and in the end, you can get what you really wanted. What you really want. Sorry. No, that's definitely something you should be a hundred percent proud of. I, I think that's that's a tough decision, um, a gutsy call. But like you said, you got to have confidence in yourself. And if you have confidence in yourself, like you say, you can you can beat out anyone. And I look back at my career sometimes and kind of wish maybe I took a gamble like that um, every now and then, and how things could have been different. But um, I always applaud people who take the risk like that because you have to. You, you don't want to look back and say, "What if? What if you had?" You know. Uh, not taking the gamble and now you're looking at uh, a career where you don't know what what it could have been like. So um, I definitely applaud you for that. I I think that was great. So what was your first season with the Rebels like? It was uh, a year of learning and I knew it would be that. Uh, They were very clear that the New York Rebels are known for dropping a lot of MLS guys down to their second team given a lot of minutes to their guys. So I knew I knew it would be a season of just trying to play as many minutes as I was as I could as given. Uh, so I was obviously I was behind the first or the third string for the first team, which I knew they made that very clear. So it was a year of just putting my head down and working hard and getting better. Um, and that's exactly what happened. The goalkeeper coach there was fantastic. 
even though I wasn't the guy getting the regular minutes, he stayed after every session with me, uh, put just as much effort into me as he did with anyone else, which was the best thing for my career. I got so much better throughout that year. Uh, I love that club. You know, that club did a lot for me. And, uh, yeah, honestly, I couldn't have envisioned a better first year of professional soccer. That's awesome. So did you get opportunities with the first team to train and kind of see the level of what it was like there? Yeah, I got to, I got to train with the first team maybe like once a week, which was awesome. Uh, having the opportunity to see, you know, some of those players and work with the likes of Luis Robles and Ryan Mara. Um, just having those guys give me some tips every now and then was, you know, it was humbling to see that and how much and how hard it is to actually get to their level. You know, it's not like they're at that level and they're taking off days. You know, they're putting the work in every day and putting as much effort in as they can to get better at their craft just like everyone else is. Yeah, I think that's one of the big lessons that a lot of, especially younger players, younger goalkeepers have to learn. It's like these guys don't just get to this level by accident. You know, it's the work that they're putting in every single day, not taking a day off, not taking a rep off. Um, and I've, you know, I've been fortunate enough to train with a few different MLS teams where you see that. You see why guys are at that level and you kind of want to aspire to that level uh, or that consistency level, at least, so you can, you know, try and be just as successful. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what was your first professional offseason like? You know, what was your mindset going into that? What were you aiming to achieve and um, what were you hoping would happen? Um, well, the first thing that I did was I went on vacation. Necessary. Absolutely necessary. It was super necessary. I took a week in, uh, Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. Uh, it's a long season, so you need, uh, a break. You definitely need a break. But after that, I put my head down and said, okay, let's get better. And there was a time where I needed to find a new club too. And there was a bit of, a bit of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, I was, I was unsure what was going to happen. I didn't know where I was going to end up. If I was trying a place that was, you know, met what I wanted. So I, you know, I was in the gym every day. I was on the field a lot. It was an off season of a lot of work, but also at the same time, I needed to balance myself. I need to see my family. I need to see my, my fiance. Um, I juggled a lot in the offseason between finding a new club, between working out all the time, between seeing friends and family. Uh, yeah, it was a full experience. Nice. So what was the transition like to Memphis? So you, you signed in the offseason with, with Memphis 901 FC, the new expansion club in the U.S. So um, owned by Tim Howard, uh, one of the goalkeeping legends in the U.S. What was, what was your... Uh, what was your mentality going in there? You're, you're coming into a new club, new system, new city, owned by one of the greatest goalkeepers in in the U.S. history. Um, pressure, mindset, what, go through it for us. Yeah, so I've been fortunate to know Tim Howard for close to 10 years now. So um, when he and Tim Wolfman approached me kind of towards the end of the last season, you know, it was an idea that definitely intrigued me. Um, there are a lot of uncertainties, though. You know, new club, new place. 
not knowing really what I was getting into, but in the end, I took a chance. I signed with them. Uh, obviously, knowing that 10 years helped the uncertainty part of it, but um, it was definitely a transition. You know, living in living halfway across the country and your family, not that I've not lived on my own before, but just doing that by yourself is something new and it's something that you grow a lot in that process and playing for different coaches, playing in new systems, playing with different players teaches you really about soccer and how there's so many thought processes behind it and how it all comes together in this, you know, in the one game that we all love. But getting to experience all that, all this different stuff and different ways of soccer is, I can't think of a better word than awesome. That's, that's why we play soccer. That's why people try to go out and have as many experiences as we can to learn as much as we can about the game and try to build ourselves off these different experiences. Exactly. Exactly. So, w- what are some of the differences that you've noticed, like playing for an MLS two team versus playing for an independent club? Well, obviously, with the, being in a first year club, is you know the club has a lot of things to work out in terms of training facilities and you know, accommodation for the players. But members have done best, you know, attempt at it. Um, whereas at a as an MLS two team, everything is taken care of for you. Everything's structured. You get a beautiful training facility at Red Bulls. I mean, Red Bull does it better than anyone else. You know, they have the system there where the two team plays just like the first team. Players going up and down all the time. The two clubs are really connected. Um, you can. It's funny. You know, Red Bull two guy can go and have a forty minute conversation with Bradley Wright Phillips, and everything's perfect. Uh, so it's definitely a transition, you know, being a one of those uh, MLS two teams to a, just a normal USL club. But Memphis has a a long way to go, being just in its first year. But again, it's cool to see the different places and different experiences and see how these clubs treat everything differently. Right, and 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 I would agree, like. The, the obviously the Red Bulls are one of the best systems in the country and you know they have those things in place that from top to bottom the organization is playing one way you've got one mentality and so I think it's interesting to go to like a new team and just see what the mentality is like how the organization is run and I think like you said it's it's good for experience in your career and it'll help you along the line uh, you know if you do move on in the future but I mean who knows? Hopefully, you stay at Memphis or and move on to an MLS club. I don't know. What are your ambitions? You know, what, what's the uh, what's the top end for for Scott Levine? Well, the end goal is, of course, to get to the highest level that I can. Um, but when you go into professional soccer, you realize it's not a straight line. I think, and I might have been guilty of this myself. I think a lot of young players assume just you know go to college, become a pro, go to the MLS. It's not it's not like that. Uh, a lot of players' careers take turns, and who knows where my career will go and how far I'll go, but I'm going to push myself so I don't enjoy it anymore or so, you know, other things in my life come up. But I, right now, I'm just focused on playing as many games as I can, see what happens, and I guess, you know, the end goal is always to make it the highest level, which in this country is MLS. So, 
I'm going to keep pushing myself until I get there. I think that's such a great way to describe it. It's not a straight line. Um, and I was like you uh, at certain times in my career as well. Like when things were going really well, I thought, you know, uh, like when I moved out to Orange County, I thought just get a good season here and we'll just head into MLS next season. Um, and that's just not how it always works. It's not always going to work out like that. So you got to learn how to, to deal with the ups and downs and continue to be successful. And hopefully one day you get the opportunity that you want. But uh, I love the attitude, and I, I think you've got a, a really high ceiling. So, you know, I hope you, you know, continue to progress and, and continue to see your career uh, go in that upper trajectory. But uh, we've talked a lot of soccer. You know, we, we've been going on and on about your soccer career. So I want to know, what does Scott Levine do off the field uh, to kind of get away from soccer? Well, the Scott Levine of recent months has been getting into golf. Okay. All uh, right. My brother plays a lot. I like the golf now. It's super fun. It's super relaxing. You know, you can go on a course, play 18 holes, basically drop your phone in your car or the cart, and then, you know, be off your phone for however long it takes to play 18 holes. For me, it's a while, so I'm not that good. <laughs> but it's nice. It's a nice little break. You know, there's some, there some video games in there, but, you know, I like to – to do things that just get my mind away from soccer, to be honest. You know, I, I spend a lot of my day thinking about soccer. And when you get to professional soccer, there are a lot of things that are associated with soccer, some things you don't like, some things that don't go your way. So, you know, you, my view of it is try to do things that get your mind off of it. Right, I think that's key. You got to get away from the game. You got to get your mind away from it, and kind of just have some fun. Um, what's a handicap looking like? I'm trying to figure out what my handicap is, but whatever it is, it's huge. <laughs> uh, well, I I used to love a little golf myself. I'm a little bit busier these days, but hopefully one day I'm gonna get back. Yeah, you got the, the whole business going. Yeah, got things, got things, a lot of things running right now. But like you said, you got to find time for yourself. You got to find time to have some fun. So hopefully I can do that sometime soon. But uh, Scott, you know, I really appreciate you coming on today, sharing your story. I think uh, a lot of what you said is huge for, for a lot of these young players. And hopefully they're going to take some tidbits from this and kind of apply it to their career. And hopefully they can um, be just as successful as you are and, and, hopefully maybe one day competing with you. So uh, thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, like I said, keep doing your thing, man. Uh, you got a bright future. So really looking forward to following your career and, and following just, you know, how you progress. Thanks, man. I enjoyed being on. It was a lot of fun. And that's another episode of the Last Line Soccer Podcast in the books. Once again, we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate your support. As always, if you have any feedback for us, positive or negative, head over to the Prime Focus Goalkeeping Facebook page to drop us a message. We also want to thank one of our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves, for all the work that they do. If you're in need of great custom scarves for teams or supporters groups, head over to roughneckscarves.com to see what they have to offer. As always, take care and stay tuned for the next Last Line Soccer Podcast episode.